Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. And the Lord is very good. We are so glad you're here. God bless you, and the Lord has a word for you. And I believe in that God's going to touch you. You may have a great marriage. Brenda and I have a great marriage. We hardly ever argue. If we do, she's probably right. But we hardly ever argue. We just see things. We like the same. We like living in town. We like, of course, we like, We lived in the country before this. Both of us raised in the country. But uh, we get along so well. I could not have done better than her. She's, she's an amazing wife and has been from day one. Was an amazing girlfriend. I used to help her with her homework. She made better grades than I did. But anyway, uh, you know, a little bit maybe. But but God has blessed me with a with a wonderful wife and just a really a perfect wife and a and a perfect daughter. The problem with this stuff is your your family uses your sermons against you sometimes at the wrong time. That's the problem with this. A perfect son-in-law and a perfect granddaughter. I'm I'm blessed and it is always a joy to be here. I had a wonderful time. Uh, uh, when I was here last year, Pastor John did an amazing homecoming. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So we're excited to get him back. And uh, Brother Junior has already preached at our church. Looking forward with the Brother John's permission, getting Brother Stanton to come and share. So uh, we're just excited about that. Pastor Josh at Osceola, he's stepped in there uh, as the associate, the pastor is not able to be there right now. This man has stepped up to the plate, did an amazing job. Good to have Edward and uh, Kim here. And, uh, of course, kind of Edward and I and all them grew up together, you know. And, and uh, we love Brenda's family. And my, I love my family, but I love my church family. And God bless places like this. There's a lot of life in this church. You're blessed to be here. And uh, we're just so, so thankful. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, Brother Matt and Sister Nicole do a great job, and we just thank the Lord for them and the amazing band and the unsung heroes in the back on the overhead and on sound, just doing an awesome job. Amen. Uh, we're going to look at some verses from different versions, and uh, when we talk about nights like tonight, this is like a construction zone, which is, you know, some things you think of occasionally. God shows me something, and I'm so excited. I still remember when the Lord gave me this revelation of the power over, of your words over your life. I was so excited about that. I thought about writing a book, and I looked on Amazon or somewhere. There's like 10,000 books, you know. So it, not as original as I thought it was. But the Lord is with us. And what we're going to talk about is, is construction. you got some people here like Tim Fuller and some other people and, uh, and th- that builds houses. And what, what marriage is, partly is it's like a construction zone. And you have to be careful about the, the products or, or um, the materials that you build it out of. If your marriage is fragile and it's struggling, it's because of the materials possibly that somebody is putting in to that home. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word of God. I know that you have a word for every one of us tonight. And I pray God that you would speak to hearts. This is about healing hearts, healing homes, about taking what's wrong, making it right, what's good, and making it better, and aiming for the very best. And I pray, God, that you would touch every one of us. It's not enough for the guy with the microphone to be anointed. God, anoint us to hear and receive from your will, and may your will be done. And to you, 
belongs all the glory. Can we give the Lord praise one more time? You did good. One of the most powerful verses in the Word of God is Psalm 1, verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1 will tell you how to be blessed. People do different things. You know, click on a Facebook page and three times and you'll be blessed. Or say, That's not that, well, I hope that works, but I, I don't think so. But in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, <laughs> that's the message Bible, Crystal, called me in the middle of the night. I shared this last year, but it's too good. I didn't have this down. Let me share it with you first in the NIV. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or seat in, uh, or sit in the seat of mockers. Okay, let's read it together. Message Bible. Here we go. Ready? How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead end road, and you don't go to Smart Mouth College. Anybody in your house go to Smart Mouth College? And it, I'll tell you, it's not limited to teenagers. It can be husbands and wives. And if you do that, you will miss the blessing that is part of Psalm 1, verse 1. And God wants you to be blessed. The Lord wants me to be blessed. He wants my home and my marriage to be blessed. And he wants your home and your marriage to be blessed. Our job is to find it, read it, write it, memorize it, and live it out. And that's where the blessing is. Well, we give God praise one more time. I'm in the house of the Lord tonight. You can be blessed, no matter. And you, God will bless you. Blessed is the man, person in different versions. And God will bless your marriage and your relationships when you just put this into practice. I would name the guy, but several years ago on TV, there was a, a, a television preacher who had done good. And he had come up, you know, with a, with a certain type of... Um, Program, maybe that might be a good word. And he called it his blessing plan, Reverend Blank's blessing plan. You have to be old to know about this. And one night, a guy was, Randy Hobbs was preaching. I don't know if any of y'all knew him, but a great evangelist. And he was preaching, and he was talking about this plan. He said, it really works, which stunned me. And, and he said, Reverend Blank gets the blessing, and you get the plan. And, and <laughs> but in this right here, you get the blessing. God wants to bless you and the Lord is able to touch you. Psalm 1 is actually God's blessing plan for your home and for your marriage. That is when you don't hang out at Sin Saloon and when you don't slink along dead end road, you got to put something into it, okay? And you don't go to Smart Mouth College. Those things will prevent the blessing upon your life. In Psalm 1, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. And this idea of sinners is not a, doesn't mean you don't associate with them, but you don't, don't be like them, okay? Now here, the, the thing about Psalm 1, verse 1, it's like where God spoke to Joshua in the book of Joshua, Joshua when, when God had, was commissioning Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. He said, what you need to do is apply these words that I've shared with you. You have them in your heart. Don't turn from them to the, ref, ref, to the left or the right, and you're going to be blessed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, and I'll be with you just like I was with Moses, which when I read that, that shook me a little bit. 
I thought about all the troubles Moses had. I want a better blessing than that one. But, but Moses made it. He's, ta- he's walking or, or talking, standing with Jesus and Elijah on Mount Transfiguration. He was doing good. And, and what that passage deals with is you have to choose not to listen to terrible advice. You gotta watch the programs that you watch. And be careful about the songs that you think are so wonderful. And, and you have to choose to not go where ungodly people go. God is, has a hard, he blessed, but he has a hard time blessing that. And you have to choose. Somebody say choose. Choose, it's up to you, it's up to me. You have to choose not to do what ungodly people do. The Bible calls the person who does what Psalm 1 says that God calls that person blessed. And if you are married, God wants you to have a blessed marriage. And tonight, if you're gonna have a blessed marriage, then you must be a marriage builder. Um, the day before Valentine's Day, I'm like a lot of y'all probably. I'm at Walmart the night before. I have no place to hide stuff, okay? And Brenda, I bought something for Christmas. I came out the car. They were all laughing at it, and she was, they were telling me what it was because she checks it on her phone, that, you know, the charges and stuff. <laughs> it's hard when you're like that. So I'm at Walmart using, paying for it with a different card she's not, that we don't usually use. And so, sure enough, when she gets up there, this card is and all that, and I'm struggling, you know, that's how it is. But you know, those roses are still there on, on the counter, and, and that balloon that I got from Walmart, it still floats. I was just uh, amazed at it. And that was a good, that was a, that's, that's building your marriage. Do you know about building? It will cost you. Over in the youth building, they did a, a, an amazing job with the, with the backdrop there, all that wood and the lights and all of those things. Every bit of that costs somebody. And, and, and it'll cost you to have a good marriage. You cannot have your will all the time. And everything might not revolve around you all the time if you're gonna have a good marriage. You gotta think about the other person. Every structure that stands it stands because it is constructed or it is built, and that's how marriages are. Building a building or building a house, it's hard work. It's sometimes in not ideal uh, environments. You know, you work when it's cold, work when it's hot, work when it's raining, you know, whatever the situation is. And if you're gonna build, it requires Hard work and it requires perseverance. We are living in a time when a lot of people do not care for the perseverance part. So what are the building materials that we build out of? Well, you're already putting them in your marriage. You're building, if you're married, you have a relationship with some, you're, you're already putting materials in that building. And some marriages are being constructed of materials that will actually weaken and damage the structure of their relationships. And in this brand new, never used box from Walmart, complete with the tag on the back of it. Let's see what we got here. They wrapped it too good. Has anybody ever said, I'm sorry when you thought they didn't mean it? Well, this is a plate. I thought it might not break. Can I hit it? I, was so, I should have tried this. I should have bought four of them and tried one. I will try it again. I asked Brother John, can I break a plate in the church? I've never done that before intentionally anyway. 
There we go. Woo! Let's try this together. On the count of three, let's say I'm sorry. One, two, three. I'm sorry. Except the problem is you see right here is a broken plate. That was so much fun, I think I'll try another one. I'll never get to come back again. I'm getting better at it. I think we'll skip the third one. I think y'all got this down. This is like somebody who keeps doing the same thing that they know that's going to irritate and, and, and damage their marriage, and they're going to do it anyway, and then every time they do it, guess what they say? Yeah, I'm sorry, but the plate's still broken, and that relationship is still damaged, and you're out of the will of God. Did you know that? That is not God's will for your life. That's not God's will for your husband or your wife, and don't look at whoever it is and say he's talking to you. That would be important not to do <laughs> my perfect daughter over there. Many years ago, there was a famous movie out called Love Means Never Having to Say You're Sorry, Love Story. That was, that was a theme song. Love Means Never Having to Say You're Sorry, which I thought was a terrible, even I wasn't even saved at the time, and I thought it was a terrible title. And, and actually, do you know what God's called us to do? Change the way that we're living. I used to be lost as lost could be, but I got saved and I'm still not perfect and Brenda knows it, but I'm working on it and the Lord is working on it. And places like this right here will cause you to turn up the heat a little bit, okay? Ephesians chapter four, looking at verses, this is a lot of verses and I'll try to hurry through it. Genesis chapter four, verses 22 through 33 and to protect everybody, I'll look at my watch. Sometimes I don't know when to quit and that's not a good not a very good quality. Here we go with God's Word version that you never heard of, but I, Brenda and I, one of the Bible versions we've read through, we've read through a whole bunch of Bible versions. This year we're reading through a version I, I don't like because it does not have the word virgin in it. In Isaiah seven fourteen, the virgin shall conceive, it just says maiden, which in Hebrews, that word can be translated either way, but it means virgin. But we're reading it through because we read through all the bunch of rest of them. But anyway, God's Word version is a great version. It is part uh, um, dictionary and encyclopedia and excellent Bible. Now, this is God's Word version, which you never heard of until just then probably. Verse 22, here we go. You were taught, you were taught, you were taught. Who taught you? The Word of God taught you when somebody preached to you. The Word of God taught you when somebody taught you. And the Word of God changed your life when you believed on it. You were taught to change the way you are living. You were living. You're taught to change from that. That wasn't God's will. That was missing the Psalm 1-1 blessing. The person you used to be will ruin you through desires that deceive you. These are desires that are out of God's will. However, you were taught to have a new attitude. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Attitude in some versions there. You were also taught to become a new person created to be like God, or we call it Christ-like. That's what you were created in Christ to be, a new person, truly righteous and holy. So then... Now, how, how can this take place? When you change the way you're living and when you get this new attitude, which is also in Christ Jesus, and, and when you become more righteous and holy than you used to be and none of us are perfect, 
Here's how you do it. Ready? The Bible just tells you. All you do is read it. It'll tell you what to do. Verse 25, so get rid of lies. That deals with deceitfulness. You, if you are deceitful to your husband or wife and you hide stuff behind them, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but the plate is still gonna be broken. They may forgive you and I hope they will, but there is a better way and you need to put that away. The Bible says put that away. Stop doing that. And I'm not saying anybody is here, okay? They're just saying, this is the word of God. I'm just preaching. It's right out of the word of God. I'm not picking on anybody. But if it's you, it wouldn't hurt if you applied it a little bit. I'm just saying. Just saying. You know, theoretically, it might help. Okay. So then, get, <laughs> so then get rid of lies. Speak the truth to each other because we are all members of the same body. If you're married, you're members of the same marriage. Be angry without sinning. You can be angry without sinning. You actually don't have to, to uh, say something very harsh to the people around you. I get stressed sometimes. Everybody gets stressed sometimes. In church, you know, you're on good behavior, looking good, looking sharp, and everybody's watching you. You've been introduced. You've got a sparkle and shine and look like you've got a halo, okay? But let me tell you the news. Everybody don't have a halo all the time, but I will tell you, you can get angry, but you don't have to sin. Just because the going gets tough, you know, you can try to do the right thing as difficult as it might be when you're stressed out. It's easy to preach this, hard to practice it, okay? That's the problem here. Be angry without sinning. Don't go to bed early. And particularly if you're a married couple, somewhere along the line, somebody has got to be able to extend an olive branch of sorts. Somebody has to. It's not God's will for you to go to bed angry. I know this is just simple, but it's not. If you want to be blessed like Psalm 1, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 1, 1, blessed is the person, I've got water, yeah. Uh, don't, go to bed, don't go to bed angry. Don't, listen, this is, this is when you are angry and you sin. This next verse applies to you and we'll move on in a moment. You'll be happy to know I'm on page three of 13. I have less pages this year. I might not get through them, but I got less pages. I'm working on it. Okay. Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. You have to be careful when you get angry. You can get angry, with, <clears throat> you can get angry without sinning. But if you're not careful, you'll give the devil an opportunity to damage your marriage or your relationships. That is not God's will for your life. The NC version, the, the new century version, which I like, says don't give the devil a way to defeat you. That's what happens when, when, you're, uh, when you lose self-control. That gives the devil a way to defeat you. And that's all he's wanting to do is defeat you. He'll destroy your marriage if you'll help him. If you don't help him, he can't destroy it. He doesn't have power over you. You have power over him. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's plain as, it, you know. In the New Living Translation, it's like this. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. And that's exactly what it does. In the New Revised Standard Version, do not make room for the devil. You gotta watch attitude. You can have a, a bad attitude, but you have to be careful how you manage it. Here we go in verse 28. This is like the book of James. Do these things, and this is God's will for your life, and this is how you are to live out your faith. 
thieves must quit stealing. Instead, they must work hard. They should do something good with their hands, find a job. Back in the 60s, it was a song, get a job, get a job. So I know y'all love that right then. But this right here is what it says, get a job. Do something good with your hands so that you, will, you can give help wherever it is needed. It's not all about you. God gives you breath, gives me breath, gives us ability, talent, life, not just so we can be alive and so that we can be blessed, but that we can be blessed to be a blessing. That's why you're blessed, okay? That way, what you say will help those who hear you. Don't give God's Holy Spirit any reason to be upset with you. I like the word grieve better, like in the King James Version. That This is a little easier to read version, and they have a hard time with words like grieve in some of these versions, but grieve to me is the right word. He has put a seal on you for the day you will be set free from the world of sin. Here we go. This is plain talk, especially for husbands and wives. Get rid of your bitterness. Let me ask you this. Are you bitter toward your husband or your wife tonight? Is there bitterness in your heart? Here's the solution for it. Get rid of it. And I'd advise you not to put that off. Get rid of your bitterness. Hot tempers. That's when you're angry and you sin. Anger. <clears throat> anger. Loud quarreling. Cursing and hatred. Get rid of these things. Get rid of them. And the, and, the, and the final verse in Ephesians 4 is verse 32. And most of these verses that I just shared with you, do you know what they are? They are commands. This is God commanding me and commanding you. If you're a child of God, this is God commanding us to do these things. It's not optional. It's, it's not a suggestion. Here it is in the New King James Version. Let all bitterness, wrath, amor, excuse me, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all matters. Put them away. When I read that word put away, because I was actually reading this in the New King James Version, put away, that verse, that, those two words jumped out uh, uh, right off that page. And, and, and I remembered I read that somewhere before in, in another place in the Bible. What does it mean when you put these things away? I better stop and drink water. I'm sorry. God's good. See if that'll help. I read about put away. This is Matthew 119, New King James Version. Mary and Joseph, they are engaged. It is a Jewish betrothal really uh, like marriage, but they're not marriage. They do not consummate the marriage. But it's just as binding as a marriage contract or agreement, as though they were already married, but they were not. Now, Matthew 1.19, this is after Joseph found out the bad news that Mary was going to have a child, which, of course, he knew it was not his. Some people love anyway. The Bible says, now Joseph, her husband... Being a just man and not wanting to make a public example was minded to what? Put her away secretly. Not that it really matters about Greek, but the, word, the phrase put her away, if I pronounce it correctly, is Apollo-o. Uh, uh, Apollo-o. 
I probably didn't pronounce it correctly, but it's translated different ways in different verses. Now, when it talks about putting away wrath and all these other things, you know, it, 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 it's a different Greek word, but this idea of putting things away, depending on how it's used, it, it means to let it go, let go. It means to put or send away, and, and it, it deals with the idea of divorcing. Now, I'll tell you right offhand, some marriages, they would be better off if there was a, a divorce or two in that marriage. They really would. Uh, now, it's not the divorce you may be thinking about because I saw this cartoon with uh, two cats, and they're there, and they're counseling the pastor, this pastor, and they're thinking about getting married. I don't know if you can put that up or not, but it's, uh, these two cats are there, and this pastor is talking to them. And he says to them, marriage is for life, you know, all nine of them. So if you were a cat, it might be worse than it already is. All nine of them. So when we talk about divorcing here, it's not to get a divorce from the person you're married to. That's not God's will, I wouldn't think. But the idea is to divorce yourself from some things. Put them away. Here's what, here's what you put away or, or, or send away or get rid of. And it's in a New Living Translation, Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness. Notice that word all, all, like the detergent that's supposed to get out of everything. Well, all means put it all away. Once you could get this out of your life, out of your heart, how much better would we all be? Get rid of, this is what's wrong, this verse here is what's wrong with our nation. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Contemporary English version, we, we distribute this Bible free hardbound copies for people who don't read well. Stop, our, our small children, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another, kind of like, don't do like I'm doing with y'all, I'm kind of yelling. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. These will destroy and undermine your relationship. It will certainly strain it and the idea here is to put these things away, divorce yourself from them, and get rid of all of these things. You remember the Mark Batterson book? I believe that was his name. I've, I've got a copy or two of that. And it was Circle, circle Maker, about a guy who walked in the circle and about a certain thing, and God just blessed him for it. Well, sometimes we need to be circle breakers rather than circle makers. You know, it's like doing the same thing and saying, I'm sorry, and doing the same thing and say, I'm sorry, and doing the same thing and say, I'm sorry, which is better than nothing. But what you need to be is a circle breaker. You need to break that downward spiral in that circle. And the Bible talks about putting on Christ, and we're talking about putting the right things in your marriage that will build a good marriage. Put on the God kind of love. What does a God kind of love look like? We all know what it looks like. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. There it's not anything about how you feel. 
is everything about how you treat that other person. Love in that passage of scripture in the Bible, God's kind of love is not dependent upon emotion. It is dependent on wishing the other person well. I thought, in, in my opinion, that the Greek word for love in, in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape, which probably a lot of people know that. But that, that particular word is a special word, and I thought, in my mind, I think the best translation of that word is charity in the King James Version Bible because of the way we use the word love in English. You know, we love hot dogs, we love cars, we love guitars, whatever it is, and then we love our husband or wife. It's different. Well, God loved you, and we look at the love of God and we know what Jesus did for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we know what God's love looks like. And, and, and so we look in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 17 and then this is the bottom of page 7. Love is patient. How, how good are you at your patience level? Not like in a doctor's office. Patient like, well, you do wait there. You just take that kind of patience. Sometimes. Love is patient. If you're not patient, it ain't loved. Using Andy Griffith English. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. If you did any of these things to the person you treated your, the person you're married to like this recently, it wouldn't hurt if you said, I am sorry and try to do better, okay? And make an effort at it or rude, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Listen, love never, somebody say never, never. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, if you're not doing too good with that love stuff that we just shared from you from the word of God, and you're putting the wrong materials in your relationships or your marriage, the good news is there is a sure cure, but there's only one. And that word is repentance. And you might not hear that a lot on TV. But repentance deals with you being sorry enough for the wrong things that you do that you turn from them. And and if if you're doing things that are not right, here's a good place to start. Oh God, just make me uh, just repentant. Make me miserable when I don't do the right thing. You'd be surprised how God will answer your prayer. He'll answer your prayer. I had two cars one time. We were debating on whether to buy another car. Not, don't do this. But I pray, God, if it sure will, let both cars tear up. They both tore up on the same day. I have never prayed that prayer another time. I don't know that the Lord was in it, but we got another car anyway. I've learned to pray better. I was, hadn't been saved for a long time. I didn't realize God would answer those kind of prayers too. But God will answer your prayer. If there's things that are not right in your marriage, what you ought to do is ask God to help you feel so miserable about the things you do that you will turn from them. I teach people to play different musical instruments like, like a guitar. You, what I actually do, you don't have, I don't actually teach people to play well. I teach them to be miserable if they don't. It's, self, it's self-correcting. It's easier than it sounds. 
they, you know, they'll just be miserable until it's right. And they finally get it right. Say, oh, that is so good. You did that great. Aren't, you know. This is a cartoon I shared last year. I'll share it again and I'm coming to a close. This is the picture on the internet of a couple. They are there with a park bench. And how good are they getting along? They ain't getting along so hot right here. You notice, though, she's a happy camper. He, on the other hand, is in the rain with a pipe that no longer smokes, apparently, here. Here is a couple that does not, didn't agree on something. They've had a, apparently, a serious disagreement. This is... 1 Corinthians 13, love, let me ask you this. The last time y'all had a dif dif difference of opinion, a disagreement in your, your, in your marriage or your relationship, how well did you react? And I pointed this out last year, I'm gonna point it out again. There's all kind of right things in this picture. He is miserable and unhappy. If mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, but she's happy camper. It is raining outside to have one umbrella they're not on speaking terms. They want him to sit together. But what he's doing is got this umbrella over his wife. Got to give her credit. Some women, if it ain't going good, they just walk off in a huff. If you are married and you're a woman, don't do that, okay? That ain't going to fix it in plain English. So there she is. To her credit, she just didn't walk off and leave him there. And to his credit, he didn't just ignore her and go his own way. And do you remember, if you were here last year, do you remember what's holding the umbrella up? It is love that holds the umbrella up. I know the guy's got it, but if he didn't have love, she wouldn't have an umbrella over her head. But love is what's holding the umbrella up and love's what will keep your marriage together and you need that same kind of love in your home and if you don't have it, you ought to ask God to give it to you and if you have it, you ought to be thankful to God and give God praise. You know what these people are doing right? They're doing a lot of right things even though you don't notice it first. They're angry without sinning. They're not saying anything terrible to each other. Some people, they gotta have the last word and they're waiting for the other person to, to, to shut up so they can start talking. They're not interested in what the other person says. Not good for your relationship, okay? And so here these people are. They're angry without sinning. Even though they're not on speaking terms, they're still on the same bench, which is good at the same pew in church or seats. Although it's not ideal, they don't leave each other just because they're having a rough spot in the road. And they're both actually considerate of each other. She doesn't just walk off and he is not just walking off either. They're right there together. They are still keeping their marriage vows. And she allows him, who has probably aggravated her about something, if it's just a picture, I'm, I'm assuming not real life. And, and, and yet, there they are, this couple in the rain with one umbrella. And that's a picture of what real love is in the real world and real love will go that extra mile if you're going in the same circles using destructive behavior over and over and over the same arguments about the same things 
I would suggest to you that you start praying about that and ask God to be, help you be a circle breaker concerning that thing or those things because God can do that for you. That, that God will help you to break a circle of, of destructive attitudes and destructive words and destructive deeds that will steal the love from you, from your wife or husband, and from your home and marriage. And, and, and you know, you have to learn to love the God way. Don't wait till someday. I don't know if y'all have music or a, a, an invitation or not, but I can do, do with it with or without it. I shared this last year too, I'm coming to a close. We were watching Christmas movies, Hallmark Christmas movies, and Brenda really likes them. But I, I did see one or two when I had the chance. One of them was a guy who was at a hospital and things weren't going well in, in his marriage, if I remember it correctly. He's talking to what looks like an armed security guard or a security guard there. And it's Christmas night. And so this guy just asked this guy at the hospital in a uniform, he says, uh, you know, what's the best Christmas that you've ever had? He said, well, the best Christmas I ever had was when the Christmas my wife died right here in this hospital. He said, I got into bed with her and I held her all night long. Then the guy said to this man, said, well, what's the worst Christmas? He said, every Christmas since then. Christine Powell, a lady used to go to my church. She never joined. She was German. She'd married, I think, an American guy. He had passed away, I believe. She would come to church and, uh, on Sunday mornings. And one day she called me, told me she was dying, and she wanted me to go and let her share her funeral plans with me. In my early ministry, I tried to talk about it. Oh, we're going to believe in God for your healing. Uh, now I just go. So we're going over all this, what songs she wants and different things like that. And, and she said something so profound that I've never forgotten it. I've shared it in church sometimes, churches. I've shared it at funerals and different places. But what she said was this. She's dying, and she did die, and I did preach her funeral. And, and what she said was this. Love each other while you have each other. If I wasn't up here, I'd be holding my wife's hand. When, I, when we, I've just either preached or, or, or attended about 15 funerals in the last, seems like the last month or two, and I have preached preach another one tomorrow afternoon after church. To my dismay, uh, our church secretary, she was been sick a long time. But uh, she's with the Lord. But uh, so when, when I'm not preaching the funeral, if I'm there, I hold Brenda's, I, like, I actually like holding her hand. I've always liked holding her hand. And I still like holding her hand because I know that one day it won't always be that way and you have to love each other while you have each other. As I come to a close, let's look at the five love languages that Brother John asked me to share last year. I'm just going to run through these very quickly. And this right here will help you build your marriage. This is from uh, uh, Dr. Gary... Uh, Smalley. Now, and, and, and he, he's come up with something he calls five love, love languages. You, he's got books. It's all over the internet. So, you, you know, you, you, can, you can get those books. Some people have them in their home. And there are, these five things are first, the word of affirmation. You need to affirm other people. You know, 
I love you or you did that well. That's very important. Then when Anna Rae was a very small child, she, was one, she wanted somebody there all the time. You didn't have to do it, but she just wanted you to hear that. She wanted to hear you say, great job. You did good. So proud of you. You ought to try that. If you hadn't done that in your marriage lately, you ought to try that. You ought to tell the people or the, the husband or wife, you're, the, the people in, the, in that relationship, you ought, you ought to say to each other, I appreciate the good things you do. Thank you for the good things you do. And ladies, you need to remember this. Husbands also think about the things they don't do. They're not at a bar. Hopefully you're not. You're home with your wife. You're a hard worker. You, know, you provide for your family. You go that extra mile. If I'd known how wonderful Tim it was as a son-in-law, we're sitting at the kitchen table, and Anna Ray has her plate, and Crystal has her plate, and Tim cuts up Anna Ray's food for her, then he cuts up my daughter's food for her. Amazing. Do something nice for the person you're married to. Then it's quality time. What Brenda wants from me, I tell you what she wants from me, it's quality time. That's what she really wants. She wants me to sit there and look at her and talk to her. So if we go to a restaurant, that's where she enjoyed that part way too much. If we go to a restaurant, she wants me to sit there and, and if I'll do that, she doesn't want to leave. That's how much she values my attention. Husbands, that's how much your wife values your attention. You need to give them your attention. That's quality time. And, and, and distractions, postponed dates, failure to listen, just building your, your marriage, your relationship out of faulty materials that will cause it to collapse. It'll certainly damage it. And then for some people, it's receiving gifts. The roses I've talked about, they're kind of faded now. The balloon, it's not quite as filled with helium as it was, but it's still there on the counter. After Valentine's Day was February 14th, and this is, this is February 24th, but it's still there. You know, my little card with my lovey stuff in there and all that that I write. Brenda apparently is very appreciative of my little gift that I those little that little effort that I made. And you need to do meaningful gifts. And then there's this acts of service. You ought to serve each other. For some people, Dr. Smalley says that actions speak louder than words. It's what you do, not what you say. Words are cheap. But actions will speak louder than words. And then it really is that physical touch. And to some people, it is that touch. I like for Brenda to be next to me, and I like to hold her hand. I like to feel her touching me. And, and it's not just like in a bedroom, but it's everyday physical connection. It's hand-holding, kissing, or, or other type of physical contact. And, and these right here, if you will do these things, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, and physical touch, you will strengthen your relationship. I don't have time to talk about this, but in Joshua 24, 15, Joshua's there and he's talking to the Israelites. He said, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you have to make up your mind because marriage is for life, you know, all nine of them. Let's stand together. We're going to ask husbands and wives or 
If you're in a relationship, just come on forward. Brenda, come and stand with me. Let me hold your hand again, which I was already holding her hand earlier, not just in the spotlight here. God loves you, and God loves your marriage, and God loves your home. It was the Lord who created marriage and the home. He looked at Adam and said that, you know, he needs someone to help him. The King James Version calls it a help meet. Someone to help him. He was incomplete. He had the Lord. He walked with the Lord every day in the cool of the day. But God looked at Adam and said he, he, needs, he needs someone like him. And so he created woman and gave, her to, gave Eve to Adam. And God knew that we needed somebody. One place that's not good for man to be alone, he said. And some people, they, they manage that well, but not other people. But I hope that as you go through this week, that you'll think about some of these things. If you've got things that you think are going to cause a broken plate, I mean a broken heart, I hope you'll think about it before you try that I'm sorry stuff that really sometimes it's kind of empty. Might not be every time. It's better than nothing. But God wants you to have a great marriage and God wants you to have a blessed home. Psalm 1-1, blessed is that person and God wants you to be blessed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these precious husbands and wives, people who are in the house of God tonight. Thank you for Cornerstone with a vision. Something good's always going on around here. Wonderful job that, that uh, Pastor John and, and, and Brother Stan and Matt, they all just do such a fine job. All this is about your love for homes and marriages. And I pray, God, that you would touch us all. Lord, help us to be more like you and less like we are. Lord, let us get a divorce from the things that we don't need in our lives. Put those things away. The wrath or the clamor like in one version. All the bitterness, these things that, that were unforgiveness, hard-heartedness. God, help us to repent of those things and turn from those things and turn to that person that we promised to love, honor, and cherish. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch every home, every marriage. God, help them to have that blessed life like in Psalm 1-1, blessed is that person. God, that you would bless them, stand with them. May their home be stronger than ever. Their marriage be more dedicated to each other than ever. And Lord, that you would help each, each person in that marriage, the husband and the wife, renew their commitment and their vows to each other. Lord, not just with words, but with deeds. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.